Welcome to episode two of No Earthly Reason with Jody and Marsha. We are just two ladies who have curiosity about no earthly reasons. As mentioned last time, my co-host Marsha and I became friends through my grandpa, a famous World War II hero, Jim Pee Wee Martin. Through that friendship, we developed something that we had in common, and it was earthly experiences that have no practical reason. We are going to discuss Marsha's new book, Transcending the Heart, When God Sent Me, The Ghost, chapter by chapter. Before we begin episode two, we would like to note a change of the podcast from no earthly explanation to no earthly reason. Marsha. Why did you change the name of our, of our podcast? Well, as I was searching information about copyright, I didn't understand how it worked for podcasts. I knew how it worked for books. Mm. And I found another podcast of the exact same name that had been around for a couple years already. Oh, interesting. So I thought, well, we're only one episode in. Mm-hmm. Instead of worrying about searching to see if they have trademarked their logo and trademarked their name, Mm -hmm. I just decided to change the name to No Earthly Reason. It's pretty much the same thing, but different. Okay, interesting. So today, I have the privilege of introducing our guest, Mr. Steve Berryhill. Mr. Berryhill is a lifelong resident of Bellbrook. He was also my high school math teacher, (laughs) so I'm having a really hard time referring to him as Steve because Mm -hmm. I still call him Mr. Berryhill, Mm -hmm. even after all of these years. Mm -hmm. And he was also my neighbor growing up on Lower Bellbrook. So welcome, Mr. Berryhill, Mr. Steve Berryhill. Would you like to um, tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. My family got here around 1809 and uh, settled south of Bellbrook. My probably fifth or sixth great-grand, or no, third great-grandfather came up from Virginia. He had 11 kids, and one thing I remember, he had like 87 grandkids. Goodness. (laughs) Just imagine 87. Nope. Lose track of everything. But anyhow, our most of uh, having that many kids, people moved on up north. They moved into uh, Illinois, Nebraska. But uh, for some reason, my direct ancestor never moved. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I grew up here in Bellbrook. I was born in 1943. I grew up in Bellbrook, went to Bellbrook High School. After I graduated, I uh, went to Moorhead uh, State University and became a teacher. And uh, my first really full-time job was back here at Bellbrook, teaching math, coaching basketball, and baseball. And uh, in 1998, I retired. After that, they, uh, I know, uh, well, I coached baseball and girls basketball, boys basketball. But uh, when I first got here, I uh, built the baseball fields behind the uh, Bell Creek. And uh, a couple years ago, they named the field after me. Mm-hmm. So. I got on Google Earth the other day and put in Steve Berryhill Field, and it shows up. Yeah, well, that's awesome. So that was sort of <laughs> neat. But in my free time, since I retired in 98, I uh, managed Bellbrook Cemetery, kept records, 
I'm in the Historical Society, uh, elder in the uh, Belbrook Presbyterian Church. And one of my favorite things is doing ghost hunting with Marsha. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's sort of been exciting. We've had some great times doing that. Steve, you're telling us that the Berry Hills were here before Bellbrook even existed. Right. Um, let me see. Probably five or six years before Bellbrook. Because that was 1816. We have uh, a marriage in 1809 with one of the uh, Alexander's sons got married here. That so. is very interesting. I've worked in Bellbrook since 1998, so I've been around a while as well. Mm-hmm. However, Steve Berryhill is a household name in <laughs> Bellbrook. I well, agree. They, a lot of people call me other things in household names. <laughs> <laughs> I still go, uh, I do the third grade tour every year. Mm-hmm. I think I've counted up the other day, I've done like over 300 you know, walk-arounds in Bellbrook, uh, third graders, and uh, uh, I try to get sometimes programs for the Historical Society, and uh, but I keep busy. I go to ball games and other events. And what I like about, you said you enjoyed the ghost hunting that we did. That goes back to probably 2010, 2011, when all this started. And here we are in 2023 doing a podcast together. It's like coming full circle. Right. I'm happy to have you. Oh, well, thank you. Glad to be here. And I want to say something about Jody. She was, uh, I had over 3,000 students probably when I was uh, teaching. And she has got to be in the top 10 as far as achievement and behavior and all that. So. Well, thank you. <laughs> Steve. (laughs) It must be because I was in your class. I learned from the best. Um, I did pay attention a little bit. She knew what pie was today. (laughs) Not apple or cherry, but (laughs) 3.1416. I learned something. She was paying attention at least one day. (laughs) I wasn't writing notes. Um, So, Steve, um, what sparked your interest in learning so much about Bellbrook's history? We had a uh, bicentennial in 1966, and my dad and mom wrote uh, the Bellbrook History book. And uh, I was uh, 66, I would have been in college, but uh, I helped do that. I helped do the uh, uh, sesquicentennial, and uh, that was in 1966, and all of a sudden in 1967, dad died. And uh, wasn't much done. I was uh, got married. We had our uh, children, and uh, I tried to keep busy. And then uh, we decided to do another history book, and uh, so I was a pretty big part of that. And uh, since uh, you know, I took over. Uh, somehow, I got the title of uh, you know, if you needs. To know something, go see me. So I've read a lot, done a lot of research, and uh, since Dad died, and tried to update a lot, and uh, that's where I'm at now. I know every time I have a question or want to know anything, mm-hmm. I always go to Mr. Berryhill, but mm-hmm. I mean Steve today, okay. but I always mm-hmm. go to him. I 
I'll send him inbox messages or whatever. I always, he's always my go-to. So mm-hmm. I'm super passionate about um, Bellbrook Sugar Creek, the history. Uh, I don't know where that evolved from, but it sure, it certainly has. And he's always my go-to. Mm-hmm. So. I also use those books because you gifted me those books. Yeah. And I read those books and used them to reference the book that I wrote. I knew I was going to do this podcast today, so I read Marsha's book again last <laughs> night. <laughs> and I thought a lot of the stuff looks pretty familiar. And uh, she had it footnoted and, uh, you know, a lot of the information in there. If I got it wrong or Dad got it wrong, it's wrong. But I've found by doing all the tours, if uh, somebody asks you a question, you don't know the answer, you make one up. <laughs> And doing the tours that we have done for the Bellbrook Historical Museum, mm-hmm. we did that quite frequently. <laughs> yeah, we do. Uh, Marcia's got a, uh, well, Pete uh, from the museum has a uh, Halloween tour, ghost tour, and we do that. And uh, we've done it for two years, and it's uh, uh, fills up really quick every October. I still want to do that. We do it. Yeah, Steve and I were the charter tour guides. Mm-hmm. And we're going to expand mm-hmm. next year from what I understand. They're wa- they want to do more. They're going to do it more often because once they release the reservations, they mm-hmm. filled up in two days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to be part of that. <laughs> but what Steve was referring to earlier, or almost referred to, was <clears throat> back in the day, I created a ghost walk, mm-hmm. a historical ghost walk mm-hmm. and tour of Bellbrook. This was back... Oh boy, 2013, I think, was the first one. And we had uh, got a celebrity endorsement at the time, which was comedian Jonathan Winters. And he gave Mm -hmm. us permission to use his name about three years before he passed. Oh, that's great. So, Steve, um, talking about history and thinking back over 200 years ago, what are some interesting stories or ghost stories or things that come to mind um, about Bellbrook or the village when we talk that long ago in history? Like I said, I read the book last night, and uh, I think it was about 1843. It was a night where there was a full moon and uh, sort of cloudy. And people in Bellbrook looked to the southwest, and they saw all these people in the sky walk through. You know, there were horses, people. I'm not sure what else, but uh, they imagined that maybe God was coming or something. And I thought, how can that be possible? And uh, I thought, well, it could be that maybe some uh, alcoholic beverages were (laughs) involved when they saw all this but uh Macintosh's wasn't there then uh, <laughs> but I was out on our farm one night same situation it was a clear sky moonlit and all of a sudden here come these clouds and they actually look like you know people on horses uh things so I must have seen the same thing that uh, wow. these people did like almost 200 years ago wow but it, you know you just had to have the right Mm-hmm. right conditions and uh, I, that's what I thought of when I saw that and, uh, actually that's documented by a handwritten letter by the mm-hmm. daughter of one of the founding fathers mm-hmm. wow I believe it was James Clancy's daughter oh. Martha Ellis mm-hmm. 
and she described them as angels marching by twos through the sky. Right. Mm. Wow. And I could see how they thought that when that happened, when I saw it. I thought this is a repeat. Wow. What is one other thing when you think of the history of Bellbrook um, that Bellbrook is most known for um, just in the last 200 years? Every town's history is just about the same. You always had your first settlers, the first uh, merchants, first ministers, things like that. What I always pick two things out to make Bellbrook a little bit different. One of them is uh, the Sleepy Tom story, mm. where we had a, uh, a colt that was born up by the uh, old high school on uh, North Main Street. They thought he was going to be crippled because he couldn't walk right at first. Uh, the two boys that uh, look forward to having Tom uh, started to train him. Make a long story short, uh, Tom turned out to be a world-class pacer. In uh, 1879, he set two world's records, and uh, he traveled all over the eastern part of the United States. Uh-huh. And uh, you got to remember, back then, there weren't the roads were terrible, so I think they put him on a train and took him to Chicago, to New York, and uh, places like that. But Sleepy Tom makes Bellbrook a little bit different. Mm. Wow. The other one is the uh, Magnetic Springs. And uh, that's when they found that the water in Bellbrock Park, there was a, a church, and they were remodeling it into a boarding house. And they uh, left their tools in the water overnight, and the next day they magnet, uh, the uh, trials and stuff were magnetized, and they'd pick up nails. Uh, people in Bellbrook didn't know what to do, but they think we're going to make something happen. And uh, they advertise, come and drink the water or bathe in the water, and it'll cure every known disease. And uh, for uh, 1883 to 1893, everything in Bellbrook was, uh, you know, really moving fast. The property values went up. Uh, they said that some days there'd be 5,000 people in Bellbrook, which I doubt. And uh, hmm. things were just going great. Then one night this building burned down, and uh, the water lost its magnetic properties. But the people in Bellbrook thought, let's build another hotel, and maybe we can keep things going. And uh, uh, that's right where Brookside Garage is. Now is where the second hotel was people found out the water was no longer magnetized, and that building burned down in 10 years. It was uh, wow. 1896 to 1906. So those were two things that uh, I think make Bellbrook a little bit different than any of the other uh, little towns. That's also interesting. Um, when you think of Marcia's book or you reflect upon what you've read, um, is there any other details um, that come to mind in Marsha's book that she has um, about our little city of Bellbrook? Well, the, um, I think what I enjoyed doing was going and watching Marsha's, uh, she calls them her crew, or investigating Our team. team. Oh, yeah. And uh, watch what they did. And that was uh, always interesting because we've uh, 
I'd sort of scout through and find some of these places that were available and uh, uh, get the crew in, and they found some others. Once you get started, people want you to come and investigate their property. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I know we did six or seven right in old downtown Bellbrook. Oh, wow. And uh, those were a lot of fun. Yeah, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have gotten in some of those historical places. Mm -hmm. Yep, she told me that. Mm -hmm. Okay, about the time uh, Magnetic Springs Hotel was developed, uh, we had a weekly newspaper, and uh, somebody would use it for maybe a year. They didn't make any money, so a guy named Morgan Fudge came to town. They called him the old fiddler. And to uh, increase circulation, Morgan made up a bunch of ghost stories. And uh, then when people were doing research, like for the 1966 uh, historical book, they thought these things were true. And, uh, but I, uh, as long as I worked at, for the cemetery and have done research, I've never found like 50 people dying in a couple years because they were killed or things like that. So I'm, I'm sure these uh, were made up by uh, Morgan Fudge just to increase circulation. Steve, do you remember the day that I called you and said the book was done and you asked to meet at a coffee shop to give you the manuscript to read because you wanted to check the historical facts? Right. Well, when you left, I mentioned on the last episode, you had the manuscript tucked under your arm as you were walking out the door when I realized I forgot to tell you. <laughs> the book was no longer just about the history and haunting of Bellbrook. It was also about my paranormal-turned-spiritual journey since my son's death. I was always wondering, you've never said a word, what was your reaction when you went home and started reading that manuscript? That sort of surprised me, but I thought she wrote the book. She could (laughs) do what she She wants. Put whatever she wants in it. (laughs) It was very, very well written, and uh, I thought, that's good. I really enjoyed it. And I read it again last night. It seemed like it was a little bit different than that manuscript I read. It was, because when you had read the manuscript, it hadn't gone through the publisher's scrutiny yet. Mm-hmm. Steve, where it all began was at the corner of North Main Street and Walnut, where mm-hmm. Joseph Vance built the very first log cabin in Bellbrook. Is that correct? Supposedly, yeah. Okay. Then he sold it to Clancy, right. who became one of the three founding fathers of Bellbrook. Right. Can you tell us what they used that venue, what he used that little log cabin for? Everything, really. Um, I go down to Pioneer Village in Caesars Creek, and they have uh, buildings that are very much the same mm. size, and they are so little. Uh, they're about the size of your garage, probably. So you know it couldn't have been very big, but it was, uh, they used it as a meeting place. They had elections, and uh, I guess people could stay overnight. Uh, they had food. And uh, a lot of these, there's still some houses in Bellbrook that are log cabins, and they're very small. 
Does anybody know the history of why um, did they settle right there where currently now is the Brookside garage area? Like what made that like a special place to want to settle right there? You know, I've always wondered why build a town on a hill and uh, you look at Waynesville. There's hardly a flat lot in Waynesville. And I come to the conclusion that you put a town where you have a water supply and there are tons of springs in Bellbrook. Mm -hmm. Everywhere you go, there's a spring. Well, and like, I mean, I hear that, but I'm thinking like, why wouldn't they have settled closer over by like Lower Bell where you and I used to live? Because the water source was probably much larger than right there in town. The trouble with that, about twice a year, the water source... <clears throat> flooded increase clear to our houses and jody and i and our families would be isolated for two or three days <laughs> good old days of lower bellbrook yeah, yeah. Um, the indians were smart enough and they built up on the ridge across the street from where you lived oh and uh oh. we've got a friend that's found tons of indian artifacts over oh, wow. there but uh you think every big city, major city, is on a river. Mm, right. And so they that's, all <laughs> Yeah. You think these people aren't too bright. But, yeah, uh, I just find that interesting that they picked that little area, that Brookside Garage area. I'm just going to refer mm-hmm. to it that because people can reference that. But um, because mm-hmm. there, you always think back in the early days when you see settlements, they were along a river. river. Well, speaking of Indians... And being by the river, you used to live not far from the Little Miami River. Is that correct? Right. And I do remember one day talking to you as we were getting ready for a fundraiser for the local school district or the Education Foundation. Um, You asked me, what have I been up to? And I mustered the courage to say, Mm -hmm. I'm ghost hunting. Mm -hmm. And you said, oh, I believe Tell me why you said that. Well, we uh, built a new house, so I knew that no one had died in it or there was no previous history, but my uh, son would go downstairs in the basement, and uh, he said all kind of weird things happened to him. But (laughs) me, you know, I'd spend some time down there, and nothing ever happened. Steve, what kind of things did your son see? Well, he thought he was seeing Native American people, and uh, that could have been true because there was, you know, settlements really close, and uh, you never know if you're on a burial ground. So uh, there could have been some, uh, you know, mounds close. I know there's some up on Washington Mill. Um, Steve, is the, um, before we wrap up episode two, is there anything else that you would like to add that maybe we didn't ask or we forgot to talk about? Well, I can't think of anything right now, but I like to say uh, I enjoyed doing all this ghost hunting stuff. It was fun. and mm-hmm. I learned a couple things. I know that the older houses, the ceilings weren't as high. Mm-hmm. And when you walk upstairs, do not wear a baseball cap. Because you'll knock yourself out when you hit your your head, hits that top <laughs> floor. I don't know how many times I about uh, That's so give myself a concussion. <laughs> so now I just flip the hat around backwards so I can see where we're going. That's funny. It's really interesting. You know, I've 
uh, kept track of buildings probably since 1966. And there are probably, I th- the other day, I think I counted like 22 buildings that are no longer there. in Bellbrook. Mm-hmm. They've been like the uh, what are Valero. It's not Valero anymore. But the filling station took up five or six buildings. and uh, The bank? The bank, all that area. Mm-hmm. And uh, dots tore down some. Right. But, but you know, the old... The old building known as the Barnett Building, which it isn't anymore from what I understand, um, that building was destroyed by a fire back in 1919. And they built that building, that structure, very quickly because they needed something there, Mm -hmm. ASAP. Is that the one on the corner? It's on the corner. We called it Barnett's. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And all these years later, that temporary building still stands yeah. today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. About 105 years old for a temporary building. And they, uh, that was one. Did you ever uh, do anything in mm-hmm. that building? Okay. Yes, we did. We were in there. Yeah. So the house that my mom, when they moved here from southern Ohio in the 50s, they lived sort of where um, Thomas and Grushon Insurance Building is now. There was a house right there that burnt down, and that's where they lived when they first moved to town. Yeah, there's a lot of stories there. Mm-hmm. You remember where the old Smith Barn used to be, which is now something else? We could do that on every block mm-hmm. in, right. in Bellbrook. And of course, you can in, in all these old towns because fire was their worst enemy. Yes. Because everything was a wood-burning mm-hmm. stove. Mm-hmm fireplaces and they were close together in town like that they were built on top of each other one thing in the old history books they'll say where uh, john smith lives and you have no clue unless you go back and look at property records and Mm -hmm. uh, or look at a historical map Mm -hmm. yeah and find out where they're talking about they uh, didn't have street numbers you always had to walk to the post office to get your mail. They didn't have mm-hmm. RFD. And, uh, Steve, Bellbrook has a house that was on TV. Can you tell us about that house? Yes, it's a house that was built in 1840 by a guy named John Stake. And he was a, uh, say, a cabinet maker, come to Bellbrook, and one day somebody needed a casket so they said can you make a casket he said okay and the next time he made another casket then he thought i can make some money by being an undertaker so for about 60 years he was an undertaker in about 1850 he built this house in bellbrook two-story house and to me the roof is on the wrong way instead of this way he made it this way and uh but You'll, you'll know the, where the house is once you go south on mm-hmm. Main Street. And uh, that place is supposed to be haunted. And uh, I know when Howard Pennant would live there, I remember he went to school with his kids. They graduated before 1960. And uh, they said there's some weird stuff going on <laughs> in here. And they would hear people going up the stairs. And uh, later when Howard Pennant passed away, uh, I guess Howard smoked cigars, and uh, the residents would smell cigar smoke in that house. And uh, 
that hear people going up and down the steps. Um, I guess sometimes if you're walking north, you can look up in the window and see a face looking at you. Oh, wow. And uh, that's part of our ghost tour walk. Okay, the current owners experienced quite a, f a few weird things, and they called... Uh, my ghost story. My ghost story. And uh, ended up being on TV. And uh, I've never seen that cop, you know, the uh, show. I saw it. And, uh, and just like anything on television, mm -hmm. they didn't even focus on the things that were happening because it was about their family. They felt good mm -hmm. about living in that house. They felt these things were related to family members that used to live in that house. But the TV show, of course, focused on something negative and featured that mm. instead. Well, one thing before we wrap this up, I'd like to ask you, in your opinion, do you think Bellbrook is haunted? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Definitely. I think it is. People, you know, they always uh, say this happened, this happened. A lot of things are, mm -hmm. you know, I hear noises at night. Well, have you checked out your attic to see if the squirrels or whatever's up there? And uh, But uh, the things I've done with you, you know, you got to believe it's there's something else out there besides uh, natural things. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of fun. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time as Marsha takes us through her book, Transcending the Heart, When God Sent Me the Ghost. The next episode will be about Chapter 1, when Marsha and her friend Lisa had their most frightening paranormal investigation experience ever. Stay tuned.